We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states. And the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live, in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. On today's episode of the Pride Podcast, we have our final review for the Detroit Lions versus Chicago Bears. We're going to give our final thoughts on the game and talk about some things that we liked about this game and some stuff we didn't like about this game. Also, when Taylor Decker comes back, should he be the starting left tackle? And we also give our four-week observation of quarterback Jared Goff, all on episode 198 of the pride podcast Blue Line. with the seventh pick in the 2021 nfl draft the detroit lions select panay sewell tackle oregon he's gonna run it straight in jared Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast, episode 198 on the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Tyler. No peer with us today, but my man Malcolm is here with us today. Malcolm, how are you doing today, man? That woo was just, it it describes so many things that's just happening. And you guys are all probably thinking it it, it was the Lions game yesterday. And like, that's part of it. But like, you guys don't know the technical difficulties that's been happening of us trying to start this episode for the last, I don't know, however long. I mean, it started off with, uh, you know, laptop difficulties on my end. Laptop not turning on. Laptop still not turning on. So I gave up on that. So we're on the cellular device today. Um, and then we are, this is like our third attempt right now or fourth attempt trying to record right now. And take three action. Yeah. And they say third time's a charm, right? <laughs> so, yes, sir. yeah. I mean, second time, Malcolm gets kicked out of the call. It, it, it's been, it's been a day, but you know, we're here. We're yes, here sir. to talk some Lions football. Yep. Let's just get into it, man. I, I, I'm sick of all the other shit. Let's just talk about some Lions football, man. I'm ready. Yep. Yeah, right. man. I'm ready, too. All right. This is, you know, the more calm and collective episode. If you guys want more anger, instant reaction, you guys can go listen to the last episode because that's exactly what it was. It, it was an episode right after the game, insulin right after the game, and you're getting pure raw emotions. You're getting me and Malcolm cussing out analytics. Um, I mean, it, everything's in there. So if you guys are into raw emotions, that is your type of episode. If you want more, you know, thought out process episodes, this is your type of episode. So we know more. 
We know more about some injuries that occurred during the game. Um, we've had the time to go back and watch some of the game. Malcolm's gone back and rewatched the whole game. So, you know, like I said, just more thought out process. So I want to start off with some injuries in this game and a significant injury that the Lions occurred during this game. And that's outside linebacker Romeo Clara, the man they got paid this offseason. Uh, he has suffered a torn Achilles and will be sidelined for the rest of the 2021 season. And that's just a major blow. And then also another injury. Another crucial player who got paid this offseason by the Detroit Lions, center Frank Ragnow. Not as significant as Romeo Clara's injury, but is expected to miss this game this Sunday versus the Minnesota Vikings with a turf toe. And you guys know um, Frank Ragnow. He, he is a soldier, so he doesn't very miss many games. So um, it, it is a bit shocking that he is missing a football game because, I mean, that man, it, it takes a lot for him to miss football games. So, um, Malcolm, you know, just quickly, how, how big of a blow, especially with Romeo Kawara missing the rest of the season? Damn. I mean, that's all I have to say right now is, damn, I mean, this sucks. <laughs> um, Romeo Corey, you know, this this is a big blow for the Lions defense, especially off the edge. You know, he was, uh, you know, our leading pressure guy, um, creating pressures. Now, the sack numbers may not be there because, he, you know, he has some opportunities. But the pressure, his, his his him pressuring this year has been very, very, very good. And he'll be missed, man. I mean, hopefully, you know, we do have – the thing is about that outside linebacker, I, I, I kind of do like our depth depth there. Um, we have Austin Bryant, who most likely will be filling in that role. And then you, you want to see some mixed packages with um, Julian Okora. So that's, that's, I mean, that's something to look forward to. You know, now we're going to get to see some of our, our younger guys. I know during the presser, um, Dan Campbell did say that they should be getting Trey Flowers back soon. Um, Tyler's guy. So maybe... <laughs> we'll see if maybe uh, Trey Flowers could fill that role and, and probably do what Romeo was doing. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about him in a little bit later in this episode, but Charles Harris is a guy we should talk about a little bit more, man. I mean... Oh, that, that, that's right, Charles Harris as well. I mean, yeah, yeah it all depends on what's going on with um, Trey Flowers. You know, I was already thinking that um, Charles Harris is on the other side, but yeah, Charles Harris might be that guy on the other side as well. So, you're going to see a mixture of the three. I think right. the, 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 the big thing that is going to hurt us is um, Frank Ragnall being out. Yeah, I mean, it de- it's depending on the timeline. I, I don't know how long or lengthy the timeline is going to be with the Frank Ragnall. I know for as right now, it's this week. I, I just don't expect him to miss too much time. I, I just don't because the man is just, he's so tough, man. He played with a fractured throat for multiple weeks. I mean, that's just unbelievable. The man is unbelievable. He's an iron man. He is, so... But yeah, the Romeo Quarter injury definitely stinks. Um, but it's going to open up some playing time for these younger players. And one of them being his brother, Julian Aquara. So you, know, you, you hope that these guys could capitalize with the, with the injury. And, you know, it's the next man up, uh, you know, mentality right now. But the Lions have taken some big blows on defense this year, man. They've been starting off with Jeff Okuda. And then now Romeo Aquara, you lost a five to Melifon week two. These were some young guys that you want to see take that next step of their career and, you know, look at to be some building blocks for your team going forward. And, you know, to kind of stunt what they were doing, it, it sucks. So, you know, it, just add Romeo Aquara to the list. Yeah, that's, that's, that's tough, man. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the game itself now. All right. Now, we watch the game. Last week, you gave me a little more of a positive outlook of when you rewatched the game. You saw some good things that you maybe didn't see with the initial eye test. Do you got any of that this week? I actually have some positives. I have some positives. Um, after rewatching the game, I mean, this is some stuff that I kind of noticed the first game, but I was so damn mad with these third and short, third and ones, fourth and ones, third and two plays that I, I, I lost track and didn't get to you know highlight some of the positives with this game. Now, as far as, I guess, our running game, when they do show that they do want to run the ball, our running game is there. And Jamal Williams was pretty much automatic in getting four to five yards per carry. And um, he's a, you know, he was definitely a bright spot on, on offense. Now, also, I will also say, um, I mean, a lot of people are going to probably be mad about this, but 
even though Jared Goff missed some throws, um, the throws that he were he was able to make, some of the throws he was able to make in the game was, you know, there, there was some positive throws he made in that game. Like there was a there was a big time throw he made where he kind of, you know, he moved around the pocket and when the pocket collapsed and then he found Cephas um, down the middle field for like a 20 yard gain. I mean, there was some plays he did miss a lot as well. But man, on the defensive side, it's really hard to get positives, much positives from this game. Like I I I couldn't I couldn't find anything on the defense side of the ball that I could say okay that that area worked. It was just bad. I would only say the I can't even say it. I was gonna say maybe Charles Harris. He, he had that really big uh, sack and got the fumble. He did. They didn't recover, but like that was a huge play of the game. He and did. That was he, one of the few times. The one of the few times they were able to get to the quarterback. And then when I yeah. went back and went back and noticed is that um. They tried. <laughs> it, it, you would think, you know, watching the first time, you're like, why is the why is the Lions not blitzing? You they know, did why? a little bit. They they did. And the thing with the Chicago Bears is that they picked the blitz up really, really, really good. It's like it feels like Matt Nagy, and I know everybody's giving him a hard time, but he executed the perfect game plan for Justin Fields to have a to have a you know a successful second week game. He he executed a perfect game plan. The amount of like the protections they had up front, he wasn't leaving them in no five man protection. You were seeing six, seven guys up front, um, you know, creating these walls for Justin Field, and they just they had an extra game plan. You know, they went this game saying, "Look, we're gonna pound the rock, and when the opportunity is there, we're gonna you know max protect Justin Fields so he can get he can find these guys because you know when you're looking at Detroit Lions, you're looking." You know, after our front seven, our secondary is really shaky, especially in coverage. Our zones and our secondary is really is really shaky. If you give a quarterback time, more than likely he's going to find a wide open receiver. So it looks like the Bears that came in that game plan. Look, they said, look, we're not going to we're not going to put too much pressure on Justin Fields. We're, you know, we're going to run the rock, and you know, when the shots are there, we're going to take our shots. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, man. Um, but yeah. I agree with you. AG, I thought, did the best of his ability to try and get to the quarterback. Like, I, I agree with you. I saw yeah. that even with the initial eye test. I thought there was that play when the Bears really backed up, you know, on their own, I want to say, like, 10-yard line. Um, it was a third down. AG brings the house and almost – get Yeah, and we, we, not the pick, not, not even the pick, not that one. I'm saying it was third down, and he they almost sacked – um, they almost sacked Justin Fields, but he ended up throwing the ball away to the sideline. I don't know if you remember that play. That's the one that Worley um, came on the blitz. Yep, yep. Daryl Worley was there, yep. Yeah, I, I remember that play. They, I mean, they tried. Even, like, we were sending five guys at them. Like, that, they, they picked it up really, really, really good. So, they, I mean, they executed a perfect game plan. I mean, you have a rookie quarterback who struggled. What do you do? You limit his attempts. You only threw 17 passes, guys. Yeah, like, when, when the, like, when everybody say, oh, you know, we're letting we let rookie quarterbacks destroy us. I wouldn't say that Justin Field destroyed us. Absolutely not. Yeah, I wouldn't say Justin Field destroyed. He didn't throw any touchdowns. He threw one he, pick. He threw like only like two hundred some yards too. It wasn't like he. He. Threw. Yeah, the way the way the um the way a lot of Lions fans were reacting was like, oh, here we go again. We let a, you know, this guy look like Mitch. Oh, this kid didn't look like Mitch. <laughs> I mean, he had, a, he, he had a couple big hitters, obviously. I mean, Darnell Moody and, you know, a couple of A-Rob, but. That, that's the game plan. That was their game plan. They they wanted, they went in this week and said, look, we're going to run the rock. I mean, David Montgomery, damn near, he, he got out this, the, the fourth quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. But before he got out, he had 23 rushing attempts. If he wasn't, if he never got hurt, he probably would have had damn near 30 rushing attempts in this game. But that was their game plan. They were going to run this rock. When the shots are there, we're going to max protect. And with this Lions secondary, if you match protect and you give a quarterback time, they're going to find a receiver in our zone. It's just going to happen. Like, our, our corners are not that good <laughs> to to hold up. I mean, the, that's why you, at least every game, you see a wide-open receiver. So, uh, this kudos to, I mean, the Bears did a good job. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw some... I would say more positive out of the defense in the second half. Like I, I just thought, it, I mean, they did what they could do. I mean, they did what they had and what they could do. So I, I didn't, 
I wasn't too disappointed with the defense itself, too, honestly. So I, I'm with you. I mean, Justin Fields had his moments. Uh, he made some. He had some big hitters, and you get credit to Justin Fields. He improved as the game went on, and you know, I, I think like we saw what he could be in the NFL, and and that and that's and that's nice. But you know, I agree with you. Justin Fields didn't light up the day. Uh, I, I put it more on the Lions' offense again, and why they lost this game more than I put it on. Uh, the, the Lions defense. I mean, the Lions defense in the second half, I mean, it is their job for most of part. How many points did they give up? Um, they gave up the touchdown. What, what was the score going to halftime? I don't remember. Was it 21-0 or was it 14-0? 14-0. 14-0. Um, and then they got a touchdown early in the third quarter, right? Yeah, because um, I believe, if I can remember right. So we started with the ball. We had the yeah, we did get the ball out. first. And then I think the Bears marched on the field afterwards. Yeah, yeah, that that's what happened. But they were just running it down our throats, man. It was it got to the point that we just couldn't stop their running game. And this is, and as as far as the Lions, and just talking about you know just judging what what I've seen these first three games, four games, I would say. I I don't believe the Lions have an identity right now. I don't I don't know. I don't. I really believe they don't know if they want to be a passing team, a, a running team, or balance. I mean, right now, the, I can't say they're balanced because they they haven't been balanced. Yeah, it's come to points where they run the ball excessively in the first quarter, and then they'll just abandon that completely and just put it all on Jared Goff. Um, no, they don't have an identity, and they don't really have an identity on the defense side of the ball. Are they are they going to get to the quarterback? Are they going to stop the run? They're they gonna rely on their secondary. I mean, they're definitely not gonna rely on their secondary. We can say that for a fact. Yeah, I mean, I know people could make an argument and say, "Well, the reason why they don't have identity is because we've been down every game, and then you have to pass with your golf." I would say that's the case, but even when they actually led in the second half against the Packers, they abandoned. They left. They went away from the running game. <laughs> the running game disappeared again. So I, mean, I, I just I just don't know. I just can't say that is, is that that's the reason why they just it's just I don't I don't know it's like like you look at some of these teams and when you look at Detroit Lions I don't see I, I don't understand why this team can't be like a, uh Cleveland Cleveland Browns, as far as offensively as far as uh, when, I'm, when I'm talking about the Cleveland Browns and I know no I'm not talking about as far as their receiving weapons I'm talking about the way they use both of their backs, I just don't get why the Lions can't utilize their backs like that these guys are just not getting enough carries and that's just what it boils down to the, the most carries each each running back received this whole season has been 14 that's been the, the highest and then they just go away from that person i just i i don't know so you know what also frustrates me is the the use of when they're using these running backs as well like, I yeah. feel like we're using them at the wrong time. Like, why are we using them? Why, why are we abandoning Jamal Williams in the goal line? I, I don't, don't know. That. Is that why you paid him? I, I don't know. He's 225 pounds. And he's he's our big yards. It's not like <laughs> he's, he's getting stuff at the scrimmage or he's losing yards. He's getting good plus yards, and then he'll get you down to the red zone, and then they'll bring in DeAndre Swift, who was having a really rough game as far as running the ball. And this is and this is another thing. Like Dan Campbell said in, in the offseason. This is what he said in the offseason. We're gonna roll with the hot hand. That's what he said. We're gonna roll with the hot hand. He said that I'm not looking at who's a starter, who's you know, one A, one B. I'm not he said he's not looking at that. He's just gonna roll with the hot hand. Yeah. Well, you know, that's you know, this week it, our hot hand was um Jamal Williams and he got two carries in the second half. And that's what I'm saying. You remember, I was saying that last episode. It's like they come into this, you know, they come into these weeks with these certain game plans. Like we're going to get Swift more involved. That's what the whole consensus was before the week. We're going to get Swift more involved in the game. But like, you, if he's not doing well, you could still keep Swift in the field, and you could still use him in certain plays. I'm not saying abandon Swift completely, but to abandon Jamal Williams just because you said you're going to roll with Swift and that was your game plan, you got to roll with how the game is going. Jamal Williams is the better back that game. Yeah, that that game, Jamal Williams clearly was a better. He's averaging almost seven, almost five yards per carry. Detroit Lions football is finally back. 
and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Detroit Lions tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all the other ticket sites charges, which let them guarantee the best price on all the NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in your purchase price. So if you're headed to Minnesota to watch the Detroit Lions take on the Minnesota Vikings, then TickPick got you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash pride podcast today and use promo code pride podcast save ten dollars on your first order of your detroit lines tickets we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And that, that brings me to my next point. My, not, not my next but my next issue with the team. And this is going to go to the 31s, third and, third and twos, fourth and ones, fourth and ones. I, I just, I, I don't get it. Okay. And the reason why I'm saying this is that I don't understand why they're putting the ball in golf's hands in these moments. Now, I understand that he's your quarterback and you expect your quarterback to make these type of throws. But we've seen time and time again, I mean, this is from week one, week two, week three. We've seen golf miss these throws. I mean, right now, the Lions on fourth down, they're three for 10. They're three for 10. Okay, right now, they're three for 10 on converting on fourth down. Now, before that, but I mean, if you want to look at the last fourth and one play, they were three for nine. So, I mean, analytic guy. What's your percentage on <laughs> your three for nine already? <laughs> Use your percentage. What are, are the Lions converting these fourth and one plays at a, at a, at a at least an average percentage? No, they're not. Linux guy. So this is this is the type of stuff I'm saying. And majority of the time on these plays, they're putting the ball in golf's hands. I don't think the, I think the last time we seen Jamal Williams get a carry on a fourth and one or third and one, you have to go to week one. That's how long it's been. So I yeah. just, it's, it's, it's coming to a point that, and, and, you know, Dan Campbell did mention this in the presser because, you know, um, they did ask him this question, you know, why is they, why are they doing this? Why are you putting golf in these positions? He, I mean, he hasn't been able to live up to convert these plays for, since week one. We watched it. Three, they were three for nine. Now they're three for 10. Why are we continuing to do this? But the, I mean, the, the positive I'm taking from this is that, you know, unlike the last regime, Pencilhead, you know, Dan Campbell acknowledged that, you know, this is not working. You know, maybe in the few, maybe when we come, come in this situation again, maybe we don't go an empty back set, you know, and um, at least maybe try to at least give our running backs a chance to convert those short yardage plays. So we'll see how the Lions handle that in the future. But, I mean, that, that's somewhat of a positive that he does acknowledge it, and he's willing to correct it. Yeah. No, I, you got to respect Dan Campbell's honesty. Even he mentioned um, that he wished that he huddled up for that last play. And I mentioned that in our last one, too. It's like they just rushed that play. It was fourth and one, the biggest play of the game. And they didn't even talk about what they were going to run. 
they, they just said, okay, we're going to go for it. Fine. If you're going to go for it, you better be certain on what you are calling on this play. Because, like you mentioned, if you miss it, the game is, is essentially over unless you cause a turnover on defense like on the first play. But your win probability goes from, I think it was like 11 or 12%, you know, with the fourth and one. But it goes to like 2% if you, if you miss it. Two percent—that's what they gave it. They gave it a two percent chance. It was two or one. I don't know what it was exactly. <laughs> I mean, it damn near was. Is, I mean, th- th- that's like a, uh, you know, here's here's a puncher's chance. <laughs> exactly. That's what that yeah. is. That's that's it's what like, that it's is. Like, it's like, it's like it fantasy real... football. Like when you're down by like thirty points, you're like, yeah, but I got my kicker. You know, we go into OT. He hits a couple sixty yarders. You know, we're in this. Yeah, that that's that's what that is. In real, real, and you know, realistically, this is zero percent chance. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it boils down to. Which, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they and Dan Campbell, he he's aware of it, but you can't because this is the thing with Jared Goff. And I know a lot of people. Are, I know a lot of people are putting the blame on Jared Goff, and they're trying to wave it away from the coaching staff. And a lot of people are doing that, and it's easy to do that because Jared Goff is is the quarterback. He already he's a guy who has a lot to prove, and he hasn't proved anything yet. So he's already has those people who's like, uh, he he's trash, and this is why he's trash. And I get it. You know, the thing is with Jared Goff, though, when he feels pressure, <laughs> he just, he panics. And that's what happened in the last play. There was a guy who was, like, near his kneecap <laughs> because they, 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 they rushed, they, 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 got, they got through our offensive line, and he just chucked the ball off. Yeah. He wasn't even worried about Cephas who was right in front of him. But the, the point is, the, the Lions coaching staff should know that by now. They should know Jared Goff by now. They should know his strength, and they should know his weaknesses by now. Hell, I'm at home, and I know his strength and his weaknesses. So why why the coaching staff will put Jared Goff in that situation? And I said this in the last episode. If this was Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, Patty Mahomes, um, you know, Josh Allen, shoot, do it. They're the best person. They're your best offensive weapon. They're your best person on the field. Put the ball in their hands and let them do it. Russell Wilson, put the ball in their hands. You don't <laughs> Jared Goff is down in that category, guys. We all know this. This is, this is not nothing new. We, we all know Jared Goff is not in that category. Why are we putting the ball in his hands to, to do this? Now, I'm not saying that, oh, Jared Goff can't convert a play right in front of him with a, 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 you know, a, a first and one. I'm not saying he can't. Because, I mean, who knows? The offensive line holds up. He has time in the pocket. Maybe he finds Cephas that's right in front of him. But what I'm saying is that you, you know his weakness. You know if he does get pressured, the ball could go anywhere. It could go anywhere. <laughs> you don't know where the ball is going to go. It could, get, it could go on the ground. It could go to the other team. <laughs> when he's pressured, it could go anywhere. But you know this. You know his weakness. Why put him in this situation? I mean, the read itself to Amon Ross and Brown was even a bad read. I mean, he was open, too. He, he was, was open. It was just he, a he bad just, throw. He, the, he, got, he felt a little pressure. And just chucked the ball. He chucked the ball really quick. I think it was like off his back foot. He can't even get the set. He even get the set on the throw. He just saw pressure, freaked out, threw the ball. I mean, like, I was gonna say, you know that's Jared Goff. Yeah. yeah, you know that's Jared Goff though. Coaches staff know that already. They know his weakness. Oh man, he under pressure. He's not the greatest quarterback. Well, <laughs> why 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 put him in that situation? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a good argument. I mean, um. I want to get into that fourth and five play that they went for. Early in the game, it was fourth and five. You were down, I believe, 14 now at that point. Is that the um, – that was, that was a pass to um, Swift? Is that what you're talking about in the goal line? Yeah, it got tipped by that linebacker. Swift would have had the touchdown if it didn't get tipped. But, like, did you like the idea of going for that fourth and five? A lot of people liked it. A lot of people didn't like it. I didn't either. I didn't either. Um, again, this is a situation where – I mean, it's, it's damn if you do or damn if you don't. If he converts in that play, everybody's like, yay, Dan Campbell's a hero. If he doesn't convert in a play, and you look at it, you're like, damn, maybe we should kick the field goal. Mm-hmm. So th- th- that play, I'm not putting too much fault on Dan Campbell. He's just an aggressive-ass He's just an aggressive ass coach. He's aggressive as hell. And he said it. I mean, it makes sense. He come from the, he come from the Saints. The Saints are aggressive. But the difference is they have a team to be aggressive. They have a team to be aggressive. You you put in the ball in Drew Brees' hand. Okay, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you can put the ball in Drew Brees' hand and tell him, hey, fourth and one, make a play. Do whatever you want to do, Drew Brees. He's going to cover He's going to make the play. 
We can't do that to Jared Goff. Jared Goff doesn't have the talent around him, and he just he's just not there as a quarterback to have that type of faith in Jared Goff to say, okay, Jared Goff, go ahead and make a play. You can't do that to Jared Goff. I mean, to, at that point of the game as well, you're down 14-0. It's still early in the game. It's still in the still first early. half. You can get I mean, the ball back second half. So that's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of things take, chance. Don't, don't you just take the points? And, like, your offense has definitely already struggled in the goal line. Like, you've, you've already struggled in the red zone already. You had the miscommunication with Ragnar on Goff. It wasn't your first time in the red zone. You've struggled. And it wasn't like, you know, it was – you had three other attempts to, to punch it in. And if it's the one-yard line, okay, fine, go for it. Yeah. But the five? Yeah, it's tough, man. And that's the thing. He's he's being a little bit too aggressive with a team that's not there talent-wise. It's, it's a point where there's aggressive and there's reckless. That's reckless. <laughs> that, that, that was. But, I mean, I kind of see what he was saying. I get his point of view. Like, look, if we don't get it. They're pinned on their what their the four yard line, so we have them backwards. And then you know if they do get a stop, guess what? You you already control field position. So that's, that's true. But like four yard line compared to the one yard line is still breathing room for an offense. It it is it is. But I believe that 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 drive they did get that stop that that drive. Um, the very next drive. That's when yeah I because that's that, when they that, got the, it was in the first half. So they did get the stop. That was it, so, yeah. So they got the stop. That, that, so this, it worked. This, this was where they – I was talking about that Aaron Glenn, I believe, play, uh, where he where he's in the house on third down. I think it was a three and off, if I'm not mistaken, for the Bears. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it worked. I mean, they had good pitches. They just didn't score again. They got down there and didn't score again. Yeah. So it just – I don't know. I feel, I feel like you're, you're down in the game. You're in the ball at half. And I know that wasn't the last drive of the half. There was still time in the game. But I, I, if I'm at the points where, like, we've had three other opportunities and you could even get me, like, to the two-yard line, I mean, just take the points at that point. My, that's my, that's me. Yeah, I mean, that's what I said. Damn you do, damn you we don't. If, if he converts on that, you know, on you know, in, in five-yard line, they convert that fourth, fourth and five play, they get a touchdown, everybody's praising Campbell on that play. You're right. But if he doesn't convert it, like right now, we're like, shit, why didn't you kick the three? I mean, it's tough. I mean, I, I, th- I, I think say- I think you go you could, that that fourth and five play could go either way, depending how you're looking at it. If you believe your defense can get a stop and you could get field position, if you don't get it, then shoot, go for it. I guess, I guess. If not, let I me mean, kick the point, see what happens. You know? Yeah, and, and like I know hindsight's obviously always twenty twenty, right? It's always twenty twenty. Yeah, but I, I I was like already even like initially like saying like man I'll just take the points but like you know, if you get the points I'm not mentioning this right now but like you're right exactly. I'm not I'm not mentioning oh you know that that was a play we should take the field goal no you're right I'm not mentioning it at all yeah you say shit great job Campbell for being for I'd being probably, a, I, I for having cojones I no I I would I would even acknowledge <laughs> it honestly you wouldn't acknowledge it. If I if it came to it, I would probably touch my honest opinion. But I'm like, okay, but it worked out. So you know, it is what it is. <laughs> that's I that's probably what my answer would have been. Okay, yeah. I I got an interesting question now. Yes, sir. I I brought up this in essentially almost every post game now, but now we have more clarity on the situation. So I want to talk about our rookie Panay Sewell, seventh overall Panay Sewell. Um, Kyle Menke from M Live on Saturday reported saying that. Penesu will likely move back to the right side once Taylor Decker returns off injured reserve, which will most likely not be this week. So uh, it looks like it'll be another week of Penesu at left tackle. But I'm just I'm just interested. Um, you've seen Penesu at left tackle the first four games, and now that they're essentially making the decision once Decker's back, there's nothing he could do to solidify that left tackle, him being a left tackle, and that he's going back to the right side. What's your thoughts on that? This is, uh, you know what? If if last week never happened, or or you know last the last game never happened, I would say you know what? what maybe we should put Taylor De- try Taylor Decker on the right side, maybe. But what Panay Sewell did last week or this week or however you want to look at it against the Bears, he struggled. I mean, this was definitely his worst performance as a rookie. Gave two sacks, gave one hit, four hurries. And seven pressures. Just him alone. That's not the whole offense. Seven pressures on, on just, just him. He's a rookie. And he's going to go through things like this. I'm not saying he's supposed to be perfect. <laughs> Taylor Decker might be your better option at left tackle right now. Maybe. 
I mean, Taylor Decker never had a game like this. <laughs> I, I don't I don't remember seeing a game like this from Taylor Decker in a very, 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 very long time. So I think if Taylor Duck is healthy, I don't see him ever putting a g- getting a game like this. So, m- you know, maybe, maybe is probably best for the team. Because, honestly, Panay Sewell is, is a definitely upgrade over Matt Nelson. So this might, I mean, putting Taylor Decker back to his normal position, move Panay Sewell to the right side, might be the best case scenario for the offensive line right now. If last week never happened and Panay was playing perfect as a rookie, I'll say, shoot, you know, he might be, you know, his... Right now, he might be better option than Taylor Decker right now, but I, I just don't feel like that right now. So, so I asked the question now, Dennis, like, why do we ever even stunt the growth of Panay Sewell? If he wasn't the, if he had no chance to do what he could do at left tackle, which he was really good the first three weeks, and obviously he had a, a rough week. I mean, it's Khalil Mack. I'm not going to yeah. give him a break. I'm not going to give him a pass play. It was it a wasn't tough even, week. It, it, it wasn't even Khalil Mack that was doing this. This was. Well, it was um, a, it was a mixture of everyone in that Bears. Like, Khalil Mack was part of it. And no, as far as the pressures, it was all on, what's his name, though? Uh, Leonard Floyd. Name. Leonard Floyd. Yeah. He was murdering Penesul. He was. Game. But what I'm saying is, is like, whatever Penesul did at left tackle, it seemed like it wasn't going to be good enough for him to, to keep the job. So I asked the question is, if he wasn't a long-term answer, and we were all in agreement that, development and growth is more important than the win-loss record this year, why even move Panay Sewell? Why, move, why even move him to the left side? He was the best option. You don't want to get, you don't want to get golf killed. You don't, you know, you, but like... But you, like who are you going to move there? Um, Matt Nelson? On his blind side? I that would have been bad. I understand, but like... That's a death sentence. You're trying like, to get golf why, killed. Why, why are we... You know, in the whole offseason, we essentially drafted Penesul to be the right tackle. Why are we stunting the growth and moving him to the left side? I don't, I don't, I don't see that stunting his growth. I mean, Penesul, I don't, I, the reason why I don't see, see that stunting his growth, Penesul has a very long career ahead of him, okay? I think if he played right tackle for his first year, I don't think it's going to stun his growth if, you know, eventually he does become the better tackle than Taylor Decker, and then they move him. You know, are they able to either move Taylor Decker down the line and say, hey, look, you're going to be the future right tackle, I mean, left tackle, and move Taylor Decker? I don't see it being a son of his growth. I mean, he's 20 years old. I don't see it being a big deal if he's being getting, you know, that those reps on the, on the, on the left side or, or on the right side. I don't see it being an issue. I think when it comes down to it, once they're able to put him back on the left side, I think he'll be, I think he'll be uh, you know, playing at a top level. I don't think it's really stunning his growth down the line, but... Right now, you got to look at the situation. Who's going to be the better left tackle right now? Taylor Decker or Panay Sewell? I would and, say Decker right now, right? Yeah, right now, right now, you have to say Taylor Decker. He's a veteran. He's play, he was playing at a top 10 tackle level last year. So, I mean. But I, honestly, I don't care about right now. I'm caring about what's, who has the higher potential. Panay Sewell, definitely. I know that. But, I mean, they want. They they, no, they they want they want to be competitive, man. They 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 don't okay, want to. You could still be competitive with Penesu at left tackle, though. You could you, you could be, but not as much as if you you know put the best people out there. At their, but you the could have positions. a future All Pro, maybe the still. best offensive tackle in the NFL at some point if you, you keep him. Yet yeah, you could, but why are we flip flopping on each position? Why don't we just have him perfect one? Why are we making him a swing tackle essentially at this point? He, he's not. He's twenty years old. So I mean, I don't see. Let's just say I don't really see him being an issue that for his rookie year play right tackle. I don't. I don't that, see it being okay, an issue. I, I don't mind him being a right tackle, but if if the plan was to keep him at right tackle, why even move him at left? Because that, you can't put Matt Nelson as your, your blindside tackle. I mean, that's just going to send Jared Goff to the ER, bro. And then if you put, and then after he goes to the ER, you're gonna have David Blau out there. Then David Blau's gonna go to the ER. They need to like have a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> and then what? <laughs> like, like, like I'm saying is, is like, you gotta do what's best for the long term plan. And that, and that, that's Penesul. He is your most prized. He is on he, this football bro, team. Trust me, trust me. He is the future plan of this team. All right. That's he what I'm is, saying. He, he, that's not gonna change though. I know that. I know that doesn't change it. But like, why are we? Like, why don't we just make this guy an all-pro? Put him in a like, he is He is going to. That's the thing. Like, I think people you are feeling like. You flip-flopping him. It's like wiping your ass right and left. We've mentioned this. Guess you, what? You, you perfect one. You don't do both. I know, but it's not going to be like an. All right. So, 
this is this is the way that a lot of people are looking at it, and I don't think it's that much of an issue. He learns right tackle. If he masters the right tackle position, he's not gonna go to the left and be like, "Oh, shit, I don't know how to play left tackle." That's not gonna happen. But if he masters still, the right tackle position, why you would even move the left at that point? You, you would even. You still can because he's still your best tackle at that point. He's still gonna be your best tackle. But you want to put him in the best position. That's the that's the main thing. It, you want his best position will be eventually once he he'll it'll be the left side. The thing is they're gonna cross train him. Let him you know right now even right now he's practicing on the right side. He said he was you know he's preparing for Taylor Decker to return. He's yeah. practicing on the right side. So I think you know during this year next year. They're gonna you're gonna see both sides. So you're gonna be trained both sides. And I don't see that being an issue. I, I look at this like being a boxer that can go southpaw or orthodox anytime during the during the fight. You know, they master both positions, both sides. They can go orthodox and they could go southpaw. So I don't really see this being an issue that's gonna just say, okay, he's gonna learn right tackle, he's gonna completely forget how to play left tackle. He, he there's no chance of him being an all pro in the left tackle. I don't I don't see that. No, I and I'm fine, and I agree with that. But what I'm saying is, it, they they they've said it's a significant difference in playing the left and right side. It is. It, it, it comes. We did it before. Yeah, and it comes to a point. It's like, why don't we just try to perfect one? Why are we trying to make him play both? Because that's right now. It's best for the team right now. I mean, I know that, I know you're thinking like this year doesn't matter. It doesn't care. But wins losses coaching, don't matter. I'm caring about more about the development more than wins losses. I, I know you are. That's how Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell should think this year too. I mean, they're looking at the development too, but they want they don't like losing. They don't no, no one nobody, likes losing. No one I don't like losing. losing. Even if but I'm saying is what's more important this year? The win loss or the development? The, the definitely the development. But exactly. the, but this is the thing though. He's 20 years old. It's not going to be that much an issue if he plays right tackle this his rookie year. It's not going to be an issue. Weapon next year, all training camp, all off season, he's left tackle. You don't think he could be an all pro next year? Like in down down his career when he's 25, 26, 27, you don't think he could be an all pro? I do think he could be an all pro, but I want him to perfect his position so he could be that all pro. I he's want going, to... he, he's going the, the the fact of the matter, he's going to be an all pro. It's gonna happen. Unless some freak injury happens, let me knock on some wood. He's going to be an all pro. Okay, he's going to be an all pro. And I just don't he's just too young, right? He's so young right now. That he's in a position to say, hey, right now we need you at right tackle because if you're at right tackle, how much better are we, this team could be? I mean, and I know this year doesn't matter, but who knows? Maybe that improves our running game that much better. You know, you put him on the right side with Halapute Vatai, Frank Randall when he comes back. And then you have um, Panay Sewell. Just those three guys. Just run behind those three guys right there and just get five yards per carry. And, and like I said, I don't care about him being a right tackle. I just hate now that we, we've we seen what he could do at the left side. Like, why are we doing this flip-flopping? I would have just never moved him initially if the plan was always to put him back at right tackle. That's just me personally. And I know that I understand the you blind side. Yeah, I because you can't it. put Matt Nelson. If you put Matt Nelson on your blind side, that's just I chips. Mean, we've, we've done worse. <laughs> Work, uh, than Matt Nelson on, on, on the blind side? In the side? past, I mean, I would say Greg Robinson was a lot worse than Matt Nelson. Yeah, you were. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a tackle. <laughs> I mean, we, we've done worse. <laughs> but, I mean, with with Jared Goff, you don't. I mean, this is just, this is just, that was set up nothing but fumbles and bad stuff all year. <laughs> or or you could say for the first five games, if Matt, not Matt Nelson was your blind side tackle. That would not have worked out good. I don't know, but I mean, I, I, like, 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 you know, the thing is, I get what you're saying, and but the, the thing, the thing is that he's just so young that I, I think he's not going to be an issue at all. I think he's still going to be that guy. I think that you put him on the right side this year. I think that he makes the offensive line better this year, and it comes to a point that they say, look, you know, you could be the left tackle now, or he's playing better than Decker in practice, and they say, look, you know, maybe you just explore. You know, trade option for Taylor Decker. Not now, not not this year. I'm talking about down no, the line. No, not now. Yeah. You know, down the line. You know, I think he could still be that guy. So I, that's why I'm not really worried about it too much. I mean, he's still playing tackle, and I, I get it. It's just it's different sides, but if he masters the right side, uh, he, he'll be good on the left side. We'll see. We will see as um, 
as this trend goes on, we'll probably be asking the question every week as, as the season goes on. Because obviously, this is, I think, our most prized possession on our football team is this guy. Yes, yeah. He's the uh, most likely person to make the Hall of Fame on this team right now, I would have to say. I'd say him or Ragno. I'd him say Ragno. Ragno. Yeah, I'd say Ragno's yeah. up there. Yeah, Ragno's up there. Um, but I, I want to bring up something. And I, I just want your thoughts on, I mean, a lot of people are talking about it. The quarterback of this team, Jared Goff. How do you feel about Goff right now? <laughs> wow. <Well, laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that, that, was, that was a knee slapper. I know. <laughs> I mean, again, you know, the perception and the opinion it just hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. I mean, it's been the same since we acquired the guy. And it's the same thing right now. I've never thought highly of Jared Goff since we have acquired him. And I, I haven't thought highly of him. As the season gone on, I mean, this is what I expected. So, like, I'm not disappointed with Jared Goff. I'm not disappointed. I'm not impressed. He is what I thought he was. He's a bridge quarterback that will be the quarterback for this team for the rest of the season. And I think there's a high possibility he's the quarterback for 2022. But after that, he is not quarterbacking for the Detroit Lions. After that, I don't see anything longer than 2022. That is it. He's got two years. His lease is up. Yeah, I mean... Like I said last week, so far, very underwhelming as far as what I've seen from golf. Now, he has his moments. I'm not saying this guy is downright terrible or he's, he's bad or he's bad. I'm not saying that. Um, he just has his moments. He has two flaws that, think that, that are in his game that is haunting him. When one, of the, one of the flaws is the pressures. When he feels pressure, he doesn't go through the reads. He panics and just chucks the ball up. And another thing is, is, you know, finding, you know, having an eye on the field and just finding an open receiver. That, that has been his two flaws and, you know, it's been haunting him. Now, again, he has his moments where he looked awesome, where Jared Goff looks awesome. And he even has some moments in the last game. If you, could, if you say, if you literally go to yourself and say, Jared Goff looked terrible all, all against the Bears. No, he did not. If, if you feel like that, you, don't, you just don't like Jared Goff. And that is, that's just what it is. You just don't like the quarterback. You just don't like the guy. No, there um, were there was multiple times like, okay, Jared, I see you. Like him escaping that pot by that pocket and making that yeah. like that throw to Cephas, like you said. Yeah. Um, that throw to Khalif Raymond, not the one that he missed, but yeah, the one the that one he made the touchdown. It was a busted coverage, made a beautiful pass. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, he has his moments where he looked where this this season he looked good. But I'm gonna say this. And this is and I hope I mean, shoot, if one of the offensive coaches can just listen to his pod and just take it and maybe get in um, Anthony Lynn's ear. Hopefully, you know, hopefully this works. But I'm just going to say this. If Jared Goff is going to throw the ball 30 times or more with our offense, we won't win the game. I'm, I'm going to say that we would not win the game if Jared Goff throws the ball 30 or more times in a game with our offense. We would not win the game. I'm just going to go through his attempts. Game one, he threw the ball 57 times. Game two, he threw the ball 36 times. Game three, he threw the ball 30 times. And this last game, he threw the ball 38 times. If Jared Goff is throwing the ball 30 or more times with our offense, we would not win the game. I'm just going to say that I'm, this is not going to happen. We need, in order for this team to win a game, they got to go to the basics. They got to look at their, who are their three best weapons? TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, and Jamal Williams. They're the best, their best weapons right now. And I know that some young receivers are doing well with the opportunities that are given to them. But these are your guys right here. These are, if this is Madden, these are the guys with the stars on, like next to their name. These are your, these are your superstars. Your, or your superstar. he, yes, these are your guys right well, here. Well, they're not expected, but they're superstars. <laughs> yes. So these guys, you need to find a way to increase these rushing attempts with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, and you're letting them be the offense. And then guess what happens when that happens? Everything else opens up, guys. Everything else opens up. You will be able to find TJ Hawkinson down the field if our running game is going. You'll be able to find some busted coverage where our receivers get open if our running game is going. But these eight attempts uh, for, for our running backs, eight attempts, seven attempts, 12 attempts, this is not going to happen. You got to make this 
these are your guys, all right? And even on those third and one plays and third and two plays, you need to get, say, okay, we're going to go big, and we're going to get Jamal Williams back there. We're going to bring in Jason Kambenda as our lead back, as, as our fullback, and we're going to run the ball right down their throat and get this first down. That's the type of mindset this team has to have in order for us to win a goddamn game. If you're going to go into these games and say, okay, third and two, we're going to go empty back in this play, go four receivers wide, and um, we're going to make Jared Goff make a play with a five-man protection scheme where, shit, if he gets pressured, who knows what the fuck is going to happen. <laughs> that's, that's, you got to get away from that mindset because you're going with the five-man protection and you have Jared Goff as your quarterback. So if he does feel pressure, the play is dead. <laughs> the play is over. The play is dead. So unless we want to go 0-17, they need to figure this shit out. And, and getting the ball to your superstar players, your X-Factors, your, you need to get the ball to these three guys. Yeah. No, I, I think you got to go back to what McVay did with Jared Goff. I mean, and, and how he was able to win with Jared Goff. And it is what you just mentioned, you know, less less attempts passing and really putting a, a serious implement of getting the run game going. And that's how Jared Goff going. Because like you mentioned, it opens up the play action game. It opens up the passing game. It's going to happen, man. Those big plays are going to come, but you just got to be patient with it. You can't have that mindset of, okay, big play, big play, big play, or uh, check down, check down, check down. Run the ball. Run the ball. Make the team, make the defenses respect your running game where they're saying, okay, they're running this rock. They're getting almost five yards per carry. Maybe we should stack the box. And then when they stack the box, guess what you can do at that point? Bootlegs. You know, do the play action, roll them out, and then you'll find those guys. You know, that's that's what Jared Goff did in 2018. But we're just not running the ball enough to, to even get the opportunity to see a, you know, stacked box. Yeah. So this is, if Jared Goff is throwing the ball 30 times a game, not going to happen. You need to lower it to at least, you know, 20 to 25 times max. 20 to 25 times max. And then just just run the goddamn, look what, look what the Bears did to us last week. How many times did um, Justin Fields throw the ball? He threw the ball 17 times. Yeah. He has 17 attempts. I mean, and, and just look what they did. Look how they were able to put 24 points. With Justin Field only throwing the ball 17. He was 11 for 17. He completed 11 passes, guys. I just don't see us winning with Jared Goff throwing the ball that many times. This is not going to happen. And, and go back to your initial, your original question of what do you, what's your thoughts on Jared Goff? Like, you could obviously win games with Jared Goff. I, I don't can. think I, I don't think that's the problem. I, I think the thing is, though, I just don't look at him as a franchise quarterback just because – there's so many things you have to cater to his success for him to have success. And I know it's hard to get franchise quarterbacks who could carry you. I know you don't get Josh Allen's, you don't get Stafford's, you don't get Mahomes just coming around. But I'm willing to take that chance in trying to find a quarterback who could carry a little bit more rather than just, you know, try to cater completely where I have to limit his attempts and, basically get a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Jared Goff or, you know, I, I want something more than that. I mean, so that, hell, I mean, you got to look at it this way. Justin Fields was a first-round pick last year, right? And he went with 11th overall. Yeah. What are the Bears doing with him? I mean, this is only his second game as NFL Pro, so I think I think that could change as, you know, the games go on and his career progresses. I think he could become more of a guy that could take over. It's still really early, so I, I can't com- – but right now, yeah, you're right. But I can't compare Justin Fields and Jared Goff, who's been in the league since 2016, to a guy no, who's yeah. a second career start. I, I get you. I'm, I'm just comparing, I guess, like the rookie aspect that you saying that, you know, you'd rather take a chance at rookie. But if you, you brought a rookie, you'd be doing the same shit right now. Oh, you, yeah, you, yeah. You, no, you'd I, have to. You'd absolutely. have to. Absolutely. Unless you get Mac Jones, who's a complete stud, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I understand your point. Absolutely. I'm not saying, like, this year, if they got a rookie quarterback or if it was Jared Goff, I agree. The game plan should be what you're, you're offering right now. But yeah. I'm saying in the long run, this is what Jared Goff is, man. He, you need to cater an offense around him. He's making the same mistakes. He's showing the same flashes he's always shown. And, and that's the problem with Jared Goff. It's just not consistent enough for me to believe he's a franchise quarterback. I mean, and, I, I'll say this, man. There's, there's so many NFL quarterbacks are like that. And so many there guys who are multiple who, guys like that. Like I'm gonna give you a big name right now, Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill is that that the quarterback that you talk that has to I be. Think you could even say Baker Mayfield. Baker, I mean, of course. I mean, look what Baker Mayfield has. Kirk Cousins. 
there's, there's a lot of quarterbacks like that. So it doesn't, it's not really a big knock. I mean, it kind of is. But you could, like, like you said, you could still win with Jared Goff. It's not no, like no, impossible exactly. to win or possibly go to the playoffs with Jared no, Goff. Absolute, absolutely. But everything, not. but we got to have a running game. If you're not running the ball enough, it's not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. But I just look at the trends in the NFL now um, of teams that make the NFC Championship, teams that make the AFC Championship. I would say especially in the last three to four years, which it's coming more of today's NFL, you need a quarterback who could take over. I mean, just look at who were all the quarterbacks in the championship game last year. So we had, uh, who was the, it was in the AFC. It was Chiefs versus. Uh, was it the Titans? Uh, no, that was the year before. Okay. Um, who did they play? It, was, it wasn't the Bills. Don't ask me. Okay, well, regardless, okay, let's look at the NFC. It was Packers versus Bucks, Brady Rodgers. Like, like, you just, it comes, I think it was Bills. Was it Bills? I'm pretty sure it was Bills. Bills Chiefs, I believe. You think the Bills got the, did the Bills go to the NFC Championships? Let's look at this. I am very curious now. They probably I did. Think it, I think it was the Bills, but I, I just want to look up. That would be interesting because they, they, play this, they play next week. That would be very interesting if that was uh, the matchup. That would be like a rematch. Uh, 2020 AFC Championship. I should look at 2021 because it's technically 2021. Uh, it well, yeah, Bills and Chiefs, yeah. Wow. Okay. So this is a re- so this week they they kind of know they play each other. So this is a rematch. That's a good interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, but like that, that's my point. It's like I feel like we're getting to that trend. Like you need that elite quarterback or a very good quarterback to be in those championship games where they can just kind of take over. And like you can win, obviously. Like we've seen the Joe Flacco's, we've seen the Nick Foles. Uh, win a Super Bowl before, and Jared Goff himself has gone to a Super Bowl and could have won you a Super Bowl. It's just, it's a lot more difficult, obviously, but it, it's very difficult to find the quarterback. So I don't, I'm not trying to make it sound as complex as it is. To, you're just going to find an elite quarterback. It, it's not as easy as it sounds. No, it's very not as easy as it sounds. Um, just ask, just ask those Miami Dolphins. They know about how hard it is to win yeah. a franchise quarterback. Ask um, the Chicago Bears. Ask like a couple, you know, you know, yeah. four-hour drive. If you want to ask Bears fans, and they have yeah. never been able to get a quarterback. Yeah, and they're hoping Justin Fields is it. Yeah. So it's they're, it's they're really banking on it. It's it's not easy. I don't know. I, I I'm just I'm just not a Jared Goff guy. <laughs> I mean, and it sucks because, you know, he has improved it. He has improved it, you know, and you would think that second opportunity, you know, the Rams didn't want him. He should have a chip on his shoulder. You would think that, shit, let me show you why I was the number one overall pick. You would think that he had that mindset, but it just hasn't been there, man. It's, it's tough, but I don't know. Right it, now, it, you just got to have faith in the coaching staff that they're seeing his flaws. I mean, everybody sees it. They're seeing his flaws. Hopefully, they can do their best to mask his flaws or maybe overcome his flaws. I I, I don't know. He's only 26, so it's not like is, it's is impossible. It me, is it me or I just don't think his NFL IQ is all that? I don't think his NFL IQ is all that crazy. I think he just makes so many dumb mistakes. Um, you saw with the Frank Ragnall play. Uh, the miscommunication. You see the missed throws. I, I don't know. I, I personally don't put any of those fumbles on Jared Goff. You don't? No. He put the no. he put the blame on himself. I mean, he that did. Being a good teammate. I don't know. Yeah, um, definitely. You're not gonna. He, last thing, he's not gonna put Frank Ryan on the throw him under the bus. Absolutely not. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But it was just a miscommunication. He was calling his protection. The stadium was loud. Frank now, Frank now, Frank Ryan probably heard hike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's you know at the end of the day that's on that's on Frank Ryan now, and then the other sack. Strip sack he took, I put that on Anthony Lynn. I put that solely on Anthony Lynn. And the reason why I say that is because why the hell would you go with a five-man protection set with an empty backfield against the Bears' front four? Why the hell would you do that? And that was without Ragnar at that point, wasn't it? That was without Frank Ragnar. That was with Evan Brown so in the center. all they did is beat Panacea, got beat. Before Jared Goff had to do anything, he got strip sacked. Again, I don't put that on Jared Goff either. I put that on Anthony Lynn. For calling such an idiotic call. Now, Anthony Lynn, I like what he's been doing as far he's as... He's been more good than bad. Yeah, he's very creative with his play calling, which is awesome. I love it. You know, we haven't seen creativity in our, in our offense in a very long time. So I don't, I, I'm not knocking Anthony Lynn, but I just think some of these plays and call, play calls and personnel that he has out there sometimes, 
on these short yards plays. That's a special short yard situation. Yeah, it just it just hasn't been ideal. And also with you know going away from the running game quickly in probably all the games you could say hasn't been ideal either. But as far as like the type of plays he's calling, awesome. I love it. I love it. I mean, he's been creative. I I've loved the way he's used a Cleef Raymond. A guy is like a gadget player. I think yeah. he's used him very uniquely, and it's been been fun to watch. Yeah, we, maybe when you see more screens for Cleef Raymond, because it's like when he gets a screen, it's like almost automatic ten yards. When they do that yeah. little play, yeah, I mean it's it's automatic, like twelve yards, and it seems like he could break it if he if he. It seems like that play could break big, even bigger. The, the screen, like yeah. The um the end around plays that they do with him, they. they yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. it's is very I like what I like what he's doing, but it's just those plays like like that I just mentioned. You going to empty backfield against the Bears <laughs> on the third on the, on the third third down play like this shit like that is just like come on you know you gotta do better. All right, let's get into the oopsie doopsie and ball of the week. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is damn near coming to your award now because Peter's not joining us for these post game pods anymore. So this is damn near your award now. He's like, he's like, he's like, I already talked about a game once already. I don't want to talk about this bear game again. <laughs> God damn it. Now, Pierre, we love Pierre, you. Pierre, we, Pierre, we love you, Pierre. Now, Pierre is busy right now, and that's why he couldn't join us. Hopefully, I mean, no, he won't be able to join us next week either, but, you know, he, he'll, he'll, he'll come through some, you know, one back soon. But as of right now, th- this is going back to Malcolm's award. Malcolm, who is your bar of the week? Who balled out this week? Shit. Um, I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to Jamal Williams. And um good one. Yeah, I mean Jamal Williams was a bright spot of our offense, even though they went away from him. But he was a guy that like early in the game you're like, wow, what a running back. You know, he was breaking tackles and just getting, you know, he damn near averaged five yards per carry. You know, he had four, he had fourteen attempts, sixty six yards, but he didn't have any touchdowns. And he, it looked like in the goal line they went away from him. I don't know why. That's another thing that they probably got to fix. But he's a guy that he was definitely hot. If I had to say somebody was hot, I would say it was um, Jamal Williams. Uh, if I had to give a co one, I know this is not my award. Ch- oh, I was Lord. actually giving it to Charles Harris, man. I, I've been really impressed with Charles Harris so far in this season. I like him a hmm. lot. I think he's been a nice story for the Detroit Lions team so far. And he was a guy when they brought in the offseason, former first-round pick. He was another one with a chip on his shoulder. What could he do in the situation? He had an uphill uh, you know, climb to make this football team, makes the football team, has a good camp, has a good preseason, makes the football team. And I think just made a nice impact in this football team once, you know, when he's activated and um, you know, been on the field. I think he's just been a nice difference maker on defense. I've liked him a lot, honestly. And now with Romeo Cuaro out, I mean, you would assume he obviously would get more snaps. He's already been getting a lot of snaps with no flowers, but I assume that even increases it a little bit more now with no Aquara, no Romeo Aquara. No, All yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. Let's get into the oopsie doopsie of the week. Mr. Krabs, take it away. Oh, boo-hoo. Let me play a sad song for you on the world's smallest violin. All right. Now for today's oopsie doopsie. Uh, it's going to go... To the coaching staff. It's going to go to Dan Campbell. Um, again, damn, I, I, damn, Dan Campbell? I just thought there's aggressive and there's reckless. I thought there was a little too much reckless in this game. And I, and I, I, I love the aggressive. I, I, I'll take aggressive over conservative any day. So I'm, I'm not knocking the aggressiveness. But there's a point where you just got to take points sometimes, man. Points are points in the NFL. You just got to take points sometimes in the NFL. So I'm giving it to Dan Campbell. I think it's fair criticism. I think Lions fans have been very fair and unfair. Some some have been very fair, some have been very unfair. Some people calling for his job, very unfair. But some people giving criticism and you know saying that this is a problem right now and that this could be fixed, that's fair criticism, in my opinion. He deserves that right now. I think the whole coach staff deserves that. And I think we harped on those issues all episode. Nobody here is calling for Dan Campbell's job. Nobody's saying that. No, there yeah, I think he's a, doing... There's a lot of room for improvement. There's a lot of room for improvement right now, though. Yeah, I think he's doing a phenomenal job, man. I mean, this is his first time as a full-time head coach. I think he's doing a great job, especially, you know, as far as him answering questions. So far, the best coach answering questions, you know, as as the Lions coach. You know, he's very Probably. honest. Yeah. <laughs> very honest. He'll tell you as it is. You don't shy away from anything. It just is what it is. And he's also not afraid to... Admit to his mistakes. Yeah. 
and, and and know how to, you know, try to fix it, you know. So that's that's also a really good thing about him that, you know, that I'm excited about. But yeah, this game, it was just, he, he just got out coach. He got out coach this game. And this is, he knows it. He said it in the presser. You know, they, they got out coach, all of them, not just him, all of them. Yep. AG, yep. Um, Anthony Lynn, they all got out coach this game. So this wasn't their best performance. And this is why, you know, the last episode I was so upset because I was like, shit, you know, this was like the the worst game I've seen from them this year. And this is what it is. This really was the worst coaching game that I've seen from them this year. You know, they didn't come in there with a real – I don't think they had a real game plan. What the hell was their game plan this week? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what their game plan was this week. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't know. You would think that it was, a, it was to pressure him to pressure Justin Field. They couldn't get the pressure there. I I don't know. I I just I just don't know. Yeah. All right. I think that's it, guys. Hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the Pride Podcast. Yep. Uh, leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. And yep. It's always much appreciated. And we will be back later this week with the Vikings preview with our with our guys from Blue Wire from insider Matthew Kyler and he'll be joining Woo! us on the pod on Wednesday so I'm excited for that yep. so with that I'm out guys peace alright y'all it's your boy Malcolm and like Tyra said leave those reviews and I am out peace